So we're going to get into some wonderful scriptures in a minute, but I wanted to talk about a little bit about um, a couple of current events that disturbed me a lot. And uh, I ran across this article on KristenHeadlines.com, and it's a very recent article, and it says that Dutch doctors can now secretly place sedatives in the food before euthanizing Alzheimer's patients. So the decision is drawing widespread criticism from ethicists, a Netherlands medical committee, and um, I guess doctors, well, unfortunately can allow 
to slip sedatives into the food or drink of patients with dementia before they are euthanized so that to prevent them from becoming disturbed, agitated, or aggressive. And there's a story in this article that says their patient woke up and had to be held down by her daughter and her husband. The BBC reported the patient previously had written a statement saying that she wanted to be euthanized before entering a care home. But she added that she wanted to decide while I'm still in my senses and when I think is the time is right, then I'll let you know. But that didn't happen. So a doctor in um, carried out an assisted suicide on a 74-year-old patient with Alzheimer's, and they determined that he did not commit murder by placing a sedative into the patient's coffee. So it sounds like the patient wasn't so demented that they didn't realize they were trying to kill her. Right. They knew that, but then that's so sad. How how could a daughter hold down her mother and No love. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like putting a noose around your neck. I mean, I, I don't know what's what's going on, but I, I do believe I was reading an article, and maybe we'll talk about it later. I don't know if we'll get to it today or not, but the United States is at a precipice, a dangerous moment in time that unless the nation turns to God, that we're going to be in deep trouble. We're in trouble now, but we're going to reap, gonna reap be- the whirlwind. So um, the nationalreview.com said this is par for the Dutch course. The response to an egregious abuse isn't to rein in illegal practice and stop further wrongdoing, but expand and legalize it and make it right. Once a society accepts killing as an acceptable response to human suffering, there are no outer borders limiting where the killing will ultimately go. Especially if it's done against the person's will. Now, if a person says, there's a qualification here, I have a stipulation, I want to be the one to decide when it's my time to go. And I know, they not say, a doctor. And they say, or your, or your children, or your husband, or your wife, and they say, well, we think it's time. And then they have to hold you down because you realize they're trying to kill me. Right, and then in Belgium... Uh, They are abandoning, you know, this COVID-19 has really brought out the worst in some people. And in Belgium, they are abandoning their elderly. And it's this article um, talks about rest home residents were violated during Belgium's initial wave of COVID-19. Of the 11,500 people who died from COVID-19, In Belgium, during the first wave, 6,500 were residents of nursing and rest homes. And the residents of these homes were, according to the report, abandoned by the government authorities as the epidemic raged. Out of fear of overwhelming Belgian hospitals, only about half of COVID patients in nursing homes that needed to be hospitalized were hospitalized. What happened in Belgium is 
outrageous. That it happened in Belgium is not surprising, though Belgium wasn't the first country to legalize euthanasia. It has the world's most liberal law on physician-assisted suicide. And this practice originally was sold as a way to cause pain and ease the pain and suffering of terminally ill older people quickly, and it expanded. In less than a year's time, legalized euthanasia was expanded to include children. Then it was extended to those chronically ill, but not necessarily terminally ill. Then it was psychological suffering and not only physical suffering. In 2014, Belgium extended the right to die to a convicted rapist and murderer who preferred dying to serving his sentence. Soon, other prisoners requested to die, and they were turned down, not out of a newfound respect for human life, but because the country had been criticized for a failure to properly treat mentally ill patients. So for Belgians, euthanasia is quickly becoming a normal way of dying. I, I, just, I, I just don't know what to say. Um, I think I read someplace, I don't know if it was in one of these articles, but it was talking about um, someone who had, um, not Alzheimer's, not, but uh, what is that that children have? Um, it's not Alzheimer's, it's not a sickness, it's uh, auto, what am I trying to say? Autism. Autism. Okay. They have autism. And they were killing children because they were autistic. Hmm. This uh, is not just in Belgium. No. This is not just in the Netherlands. This is not just overseas. Right. This is creeping into the United States, and it's by way of telling people that it's something good. You know, it's just like, remember how we used to have billboards where people were smoking and drinking and it was like the good life. It's like, and what does that do? It causes you to have cancer. It's not a good life, it kills. Right. It kills. So then, moving on, I found another article about um, what pro-lifers should know about the vaccines that are coming out by Pfizer, Moderna, and, Ox and Oxford. And it said that pharmaceutical companies in recent days announced promising trials, results of three separate vaccines, boosting hopes that the worldwide pandemic could be months away from an end. And, um, but from a pro-life perspective, the three vaccines were not created equal. And I never, it, it never occurred to me how they create these vaccines. It never dawned on me. So uh, the pro-life Charlotte Lozier Institute lists that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines as ethically uncontroversial, yet it lists the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine as unethical because of its use of a fetal cell line derived from an abortion. 
and they used it in the design, the development, and the production of the vaccine. The Institute is the Research and Education Institute of Pro-Life Susan B. Anthony List. So representatives of the National Catholic Bioethics Center reached a similar conclusion as did the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Both said that Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are ethically sound. And they say that they're ethically sound because neither Pfizer nor Moderna, the vaccines from those two companies, involved the use of cell lines that originated in fetal tissue taken from the body of an aborted baby at any level of design, development, or production. Some controversy, though, has surrounded the Pfizer-Moderna vaccines because the fetal cell line was used in a later testing stage. The fetal cell line was derived from an abortion in the 60s and 70s, so they say... So what they're doing, what, what they have kept these cells they, active right. for about 60 years? Right. <laughs> And you don't know that, or that's what they're telling you that they did, mm -hmm. and you don't know. I mean, it never occurred to me that they would be, they would be using the cells of aborted fetuses to, right, to create these vaccines. They're probably using the aborted fetuses for a lot of things that we aren't aware of. So, AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine used the fetal cell line derived from an abortion in the 60s and, or 70s during all four stages, the design, the development, the production, and the testing phases. And this institute lists it as unethical. The use of this fetal cell line means that AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine contains a trace of the DNA from the aborted fetuses and that DNA, however small it is, can be passed on in small quantities to the people receiving the vaccine. Right, and that's what they were saying. It's the first vaccine that attaches itself to a person's DNA, meaning, say, if a person were to become pregnant, part of the aborted fetus's DNA would probably become part of the makeup of the baby. Well, I don't know. Does it does it affect the person receiving the vaccine? I mean, there's so many questions we I, don't know. I believe know. so. I believe. I mean, that like it, when you it, get what I did not know is that your blood type changes when you get the bone a marrow. body part from someone else. Oh, that like I didn't a know. kidney transplant, or I didn't know a, that. you get a transplant from someone else. Your blood type changes I did, I, I from knew, what it was to whatever that organ is that you're receiving. And that's news. I, I, I did know that if you receive someone's bone marrow, like leukemia, that could change your DNA. You know, that could change your blood type and your DNA makeup. And maybe, maybe receiving transplants changes a part of your DNA as well. I don't know. Right. It's possible. We it, don't know everything. We don't right. know how God designed everything. And right. we don't know getting this COVID-19 vaccine from these companies, we have no idea how this is going to affect us or children 
or our children's children, or I don't know. That is, I mean, like, too, like, what the, the aborted fetus, they could have, like, current conditions, diseases that they could have had. Right, something hidden in the genetic code. And then we can get it and... And wouldn't know why. You know, you'll say, well, we never had anything like this in our family, and all of a sudden you do. You know, it's just... But they were planning this vaccine. They act like they just stumbled across it, but they couldn't have because long before they even developed it, a person said, this would be the only vaccine that... that attaches itself to your DNA. They were saying that long before they said, oh, we found, we found a, a, a vaccine that actually works. This person had already said it's going to attach to your DNA. I didn't hear that. I oh, didn't yeah. hear that part. But I did, read, or I did read an article saying that, I think it was AstraZeneca, um, that said that they... It didn't take but maybe a couple weeks to... to come up with this vaccine. That's because they've been working on it for more than a couple of weeks. Because this person was a very, very knowledgeable. I forgot um, where, who, who the individual is. But, you know, of course, it, they couldn't get their news or their um, advice out over regular social media. They had to resort to, you know, going to different types of sites that, you know, normally aren't visited. Or at the time when TikTok was very, you know, to me, progressive, you know, they would get there and they would say, be careful because when you take it, it's going to have uh, an effect on your genes. It's going to attach itself to your DNA. Well, there are a lot of people that don't have TikTok and and probably don't have it now. But um, well, I don't even think it's worth it now because I think somehow it's been hijacked. But anyway, I was thinking about all this, and I was just, you know, you just have no idea what's coming down the pipes. You have no idea. Everybody's flocking and flocking and flocking for these testing mm-hmm. sites to see if they have COVID-19. Even if you don't have any symptoms and you're, I don't know, you're putting yourself in a database you're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself, and, and I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of people that need to be tested, you know, but why not in the hospital? They do it in a hospital. They do it, like, if you have to see a doctor and have a procedure done, they make you go to a hospital to have a regular test that takes several days. Not these rapid tests. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical <laughs> of going like cattle. You you're just right. going like cattle because you're trusting in man rather than than the Lord. I mean, to think that the government, an institution, would have your best interest, you have to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to intercede because the government is just run by people. And people who don't acknowledge the Lord have their own agenda, their own standards. And because God said it's not in man to direct their own steps, they reject the truth and they accept a lie. And then you're going to entrust these people with your life? Not me. It made me, you know, and I was uh, going over some notes that I had over the years from our pastor, um, when the pastor would get up and speak, I would, you know, there were some powerful messages. And uh, 
this one, I, I was going over all my notes and this one came, stood out to me. And it was uh, in 3 John, verse 2. I believe it's only one chapter long, but it's verse 2. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospereth. So the, the number one thing that we, you know, if you want to know how God is blessing, all you have to do is just look at 3 John verse 2. You ask the Lord to bless your soul to prosper. Out of everything that you can ever ask for, out of everything, you know, riches, you can ask for jobs, you can ask for health, you can ask, but what you want is your soul to prosper. You want the Lord to bless your soul. Soul. You want your soul to prosper so that so that your eyes can be open. Right. You want to the Lord to bless your soul to prosper so that you can have a discerning spirit. Everybody has a measure of faith. Everybody has a measure of faith and it doesn't matter. You have that measure of faith. And what you have to do is go to him and ask him. And I, I believe now is the time. Now is the time for people to, to go to the Lord and ask him to be saved. I don't think this is the time to go to man and say, what should we do? And should we trust in you? Trust in your vaccine? Trust in your testing? Trust in your... What you need is the Lord. And you need to tell the Lord to save, ask the Lord to save you. Right. Save me. God, please save me. Right. I remember old uh, gospel song we used to sing in church, uh, bless my soul, Lord. I want you to bless my soul. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse because he's given us the ability to do it. Right. He's given us the measure of faith to be able to do it. Right. And in this message that this pastor gave some time ago, it says that there are four stages of salvation. The first stage is acknowledgement. And what you have to do is acknowledge, admit that you have done wrong. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent. You know, God died for us, and, and he knows what you've done. He knows how to fix it. He knows how to... How to, to to forgive you. He knows. And then the second stage is surrender. Give up. I, I've, I've done it my way. I've tried it my own way. It didn't work. You know, and I know people that insist for years and years they're going to do it their own way. They insist that they want to do it how they want to do it. Oh no, I got it. I got this. I got this. I know it's going to work. I promise you it's going to work this time. But it doesn't. And you have to, what you have to do is actually turn it over to God and do it his way, you know? And, and go to him and say, Lord, now I want, I did it my way and I'm sorry. It didn't work. I repent. Now I want to do it your way. Then the third stage is accept the Lord. Accept the Lord. Whatever God wants you to do, do it. Just do it. Whatever it takes to be saved, just say, I'm willing to do it. 
whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. It's just like if somebody held a gun up to your head and, and you raise your hands and, you know, I'll do it, I'll do it. Whatever you want to do, I'll do it. That's what you do with the Lord. That's what you tell him. I'll do it because he's not going to tell you to do something wrong. He's not going to tell you to um, do something that you're, it's impossible for you to do. It, 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 just say, I'll do it. Try it for Pete's sakes. And then the fourth stage of salvation is abide. After you're saved, then you have to abide in the word. Then you have to spend time in prayer. You have to spend time in the word. You have to spend time with God. So if you're at stage one or two or three, go on to the next step. If you're at stage one, go to stage two. If you're at stage two, go to stage three. If you're at stage three, go to stage four. You know, you don't stop at where you are. You continue. You don't stop. You continue your path. You continue to go forward. And that's how you'll know if the seed fell on good ground, if you can abide, if you can hold on to the Lord, hold fast to the faith. And, we have, and you have to know that when you acknowledge the Lord and you accept him, that acceptance leads to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what the, the apostles would say. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Have you received his spirit? You have to receive the spirit of the Lord. It has to transform you. The Lord says that it will make you a brand new creature. It will transform your conscience, which you can't do on your own. So God's word is very, very, very precious. And what does God say to you? What does he have for you? Ask him. What do you have for me? What is it that you want to do and want me to do? And then after, and after you get finished with all the programs, all your social functions, you finish whatever it is that you have to do, you still have to go all the four steps and ask God to come into your life. You have a spiritual side of you. You have a spiritual side, and you can't get away from it. When there's, you know... When you're in trouble and you're groaning, you have to go and pray and ask for help. So you have to acknowledge, surrender, accept, and abide so you can really know how to love. And what does the word say? You ask the Lord, bless my soul to prosper in everything that I do. Bless my soul to prosper. Amen. And then what, what are you going to do? You're going to be in good health. You're going to be in good health. And you're going to succeed at anything that you do. And you're going to be protected from today's world. Yes, praise the Lord. And let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Psalm 95 and 6. O come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's Food for Thought was, how do you know that a person despises his soul? And the answer is, because he refuses instruction. And that answer can be found in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 32, which reads, he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. This week's food for thought is 
When you put your trust in the Lord, what is he to you? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. 